This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPC Cloud Migration with Unova, This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research. And This Week in HPC, we have a special sponsored podcast. I'm joined by Rob Lalonde, who's the Vice President and General Manager for Cloud at Unova. Rob, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Hi, Addison. Thanks for having me. We've got some new news coming out of Unova that relates directly to some of the big trends that we're seeing in high-performance computing, and we're going to get to those in a second. But in general, we want to start out by talking about cloud because, Rob, this is some of the – this is really the big growth area that we're seeing in high-performance computing right now. Cloud had a breakout year in HPC last year as it zoomed past $1 billion in spending. It's grown in 2018 by 16% to go over 1.2 billion and it's the highest growth rate uh, segment in our forecast right now scheduled to continue to grow at over a 20 percent compound annual growth rate to pass two billion dollars in 2021 and exceed three billion dollars in 2023 is that consistent with what you're seeing you're in the cloud space are you seeing more people moving toward high performance computing in the cloud Yes, absolutely. That's uh, really consistent with what we're seeing, Addison. We've, uh, you know, anecdotally been engaged with a lot of customers over the last year uh, in regards to cloud migration. We surveyed them back in February of 2018. We saw 60% roughly of our customers interested in moving to cloud or actually moving to cloud. That number is up a full 50%, so it's up to 92% now uh, that are doing that. So, you know, real big activity in the cloud within uh, our customer base. Yeah, we're seeing those as well, not only in our quantitative research, but in qualitative or anecdotal conversations. I was just at the uh, AI Hardware Summit this week. I was at the HPC and AI for uh, for Wall Street conference last week, and cloud keeps coming up in these conversations. I think one big driver that we've seen over the last couple of years that really helped kick this into a high growth area is the emphasis on machine learning and AI and the ability of cloud in hybrid models to provide access to specialized resources. Uh, how is that consistent with your customer base? Yeah, absolutely. That, the specialized resources is definitely a driver within our customer base, whether that's uh, to get access to GPUs, maybe an organization's using them somewhat intermittently, and you don't want to be buying uh, you know, a big capital expenditure of GPUs for intermittent usage. Wharton School of Business is a great example of one of our customers doing just that. When they need to run some GPU workloads, they just expand their on-premise cluster using our Netflix launch product to burst to the cloud, pick up those GPUs, leverage them, and shut down those instances when they're done. So, you know, that that's definitely something we're seeing a lot of. We're seeing people going for, you know, big memory machines, SSDs, things like TPUs with Google are a great example of those specialized resources for ML and AI. That's not the only trend, of course, that's been bolstering cloud. It's not AI in of itself. Another big factor that we've documented in our research is just the general maturation of software licensing models where uh, different ISVs now, it's easier to, to shift those resources to the cloud. But, of course, the more you start mixing workloads in this environment, the more you need the professional management layer of, of, of monitoring where your workflows are, what's on-premise, what's in cloud, what's migrating back and forth, how you handle the data sovereignty or data movement issues. This is really the space that you're in. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot there in the things you just said. So licensing has matured. You're right. We're seeing it uh, that not a barrier anymore. The data sovereignty is a, you know, a really big deal. I think customers are getting more and more comfortable with their data residing in the cloud, but they still have to manage that data. They still have to move it to lower cost tiers. Uh, obviously, to save money, they don't want these massive oil and gas data sets sitting up in the most expensive storage tier in Amazon, for example, all the time. You've got to manage that, right? Move the data you need, run the job, get that data down to a lower cost tier, or repatriate the results back to on-premise and delete the uh, source data to save money. Yeah, and this becomes even a bigger issue in in situations where we look at multi-cloud. You know, no one really wants to be locked into any particular vendor. We used to talk about vendor lock-in in the 1990s with regard to who your server provider was. Now we're hearing that again with regard to cloud providers, and we see AWS, Azure, uh, Google Cloud, all with major presences in this space, and now people are trying to look at those abstraction layers and avoid lock-in with the major uh, cloud providers. Yes, I agree. I think our customers have long enough memories to uh, remember back to the uh, vendor lock-in that you referenced with the server providers. I think they're they're cognizant of that when they're moving to the cloud. They're avoiding using proprietary tools and such. And I think that's one of the things that we're very focused on is giving our customers choice, whether that's you know going to Amazon now and having the ability to spin up some special projects in Google later, or whether that's even the ability to do a wholesale shift or run more than one one cloud vendor at the same time. I think that's all, all important to our customers. And when we've asked the question, they're always saying, well, we're going to do one right now because it's not easy. Uh, and yet they always want to have that at least uh, backup plan of going to another cloud later. Univa has been in this space throughout this transition, going back to when we used to be talking about grids before we were talking about clouds and you have special, uh, specialization in this virtualization space and remote management. And now on top of that, you're releasing a new version of NavOps. Why don't you talk to me about some of the new features that you're building into that and how you're responding to customer demands there? Yeah, absolutely. So NavOps launch, you know, has been around for a while now, and it's been very focused on the provisioning, which we believe is pretty much table stakes. Lots of people can spin up clusters in the cloud. Uh, one of the differentiating capabilities is the automation, allowing people to build out their own automation so that they can do cloud in a no ops manner. So whether that's simple things like scaling up and scaling down um, the cloud cluster based on how busy on-premise is, whether that's looking at the workload and saying this workload can go to the cloud, this workload is not allowed. Maybe it's a data sovereignty issue. Uh, maybe it's just that it's not going to be uh, running effectively in the cloud because of the data sets. There's all kinds of reasons. But there's all kinds of uh, automation that an organization wants to build so they can get to this no ops dynamically scaling cloud model that really isn't a very efficient extension of on-premise. What we announced last week are two, actually two announcements. One is our new NavOps launch 2.0. It's focused on managing cloud spend. So taking those table stakes, provisioning the automation I talked about and adding cloud spend management uh, to the capabilities our customers get. So uh, they get a dashboard that allows them to input their budgets by workload, by cost center, by department, or by company, and then be able to track utilization at those various levels so that they can see how efficient they're being. That really gives you the ability to kind of go full circle. So you can look at your efficiency, say this is working for us well, this is not working well, this workload is not efficient in the cloud, and then they can go back, tune those automations, to become more efficient as they go so that they can cycle through this automation cloud spend management cycle and uh, 
you know, continue to fine tune as they uh, get experience with using the cloud and become much more efficient. And we've seen some data around 35% of of cloud utilization is waste. And, you know, we want to get rid of that headroom of wrong sizing instances and, you know, using spinning up a 48 core instance when you could really have a 24 core instance or leaving a lot of memory that's unutilized or leaving instances lying around after the workload's completed. So that's where the automation comes in and can save a lot of money. You said you've got two announcements and we'll get to the second one in just a second, but I really wanted to comment on these new features for cloud expense management because this is something that we've seen in our research and conversations with end users in this space that even when you have this elastic ability to expand your high-performance applications in an on-demand fashion, these system accounting tricks really become operational. They have the potential to become operational uh, uh, blockades. If you think about the engineer wanting to spin up the extra cycles or the scientist wanting to spin up extra cycles to get a, a corporate research project or, or product launch done sooner, you have to ask the very practical question of whether the individual scientist or engineer has the budget authority to consume those cycles, right? It's, it's not the same as putting something in the queue in a lab with a system that you already have on uh, some kind of depreciation cycle. If I'm going to consume those extra resources, someone has to approve that at some layer. And, you know, that can really be in the way if, if you're looking at all of these individual approvals every time someone wants to use the cloud. So you're looking with NavOps Launch 2.0 at a, at a way to, to make that a little easier and make the system accounting more like you already had it with on-premise. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the automation can limit what workloads go to the cloud. Obviously, you don't want to restrict everybody. So, you know, there might be power users that you want to give kind of an unlimited or, uh, you know, higher limits to big buckets of, of cloud spend. And then there's other organizations, parts of the organization are say, no, we're going to cap off what they can spend in the cloud. And that's where the automation works, you know, coupled with the spend management to really give you sort of an optimized cloud utilization. Obviously, people want to use cloud. They've got lots of things that are driving revenue, driving competitive advantage through their HPC. So cloud gives them that sort of instant on, lots of capacity when they need it, capability, and you just need to balance that with how you manage your spend and your utilization. Now, that's only one of two announcements coming out of Unova. You've got another announcement on the middleware side. You've got experience with Grid Engine for a long time here, but now that's not all you're offering. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of an exciting announcement for us because a lot of people know us as the Unova Grid Engine people. And this second announcement uh, means that NavOps Launch is now going to work with the Slurm Workload Manager as well. So it's a real big shift for our company in that now we uh, work with both Slurm and Unova Grid Engine and help uh, customers from both customer bases burst to the cloud and leverage these specialized resources and run special projects. So a Slurm user can get all of these capabilities I talked about already, the provisioning, the automation, and the cloud spend management. For people who are entrenched in the HPC side, I think that's going to be a big feature. We track the middleware changes in our regular surveys, and we've seen big growth in Slurm in the HPC community. You mentioned Wharton is one customer. Uh, do you have others that are referenceable that are using some of these new features? Yeah, Wharton's a great example of uh, people uh, taking the peaks off that utilization and bursting that to the cloud. It allows you to right-size your on-premise infrastructure and leverage the cloud for your competitive advantage still. Mellanox is another great example of a big you know, organization that has lots and lots of compute, but they're doing things like monthly and quarterly tape-outs, which really drive 
the demand for compute resources up on a periodic basis. And that's a great example of, you know, burst into the cloud when you need it and then downsizing that cloud utilization when you don't need it and therefore saving a lot of capital expenditure and managing your cloud spend more efficiently as well. So Mellanox is a great example of that. Now, where the rubber hits the road is in the experience with this. And, of course, a lot of people are looking for more information on how they can start migrating their HPC workloads to cloud. We could always refer people to a website, but Univa is taking that a step further with a series of meetups between now and SC19. Yeah, we're starting next week with a series of HPC cloud migration meetups. We're partnered with Google for that. Uh, we're going to London, Munich, Boston, New York, D.C., Chicago, Austin, and Santa Clara. So uh, guess what? My travel schedule is going to be pretty busy. <laughs> if people want to register for that, we'd be happy to have them join us. The URL is univa.com slash meetups. And if you can't make it to any of those meetups, you'll be at SC19 for sure in Denver. Absolutely. We'll see you then for sure, Edison. All right. Well, Rob Lalone, VP and General Manager of Cloud for Univa, a couple of great announcements. And for those listeners who want more information, you can go to univa.com or for the Meetup series, univa.com slash meetups. Rob, thanks for joining me on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.